So, jack-o'-lanterns. Are you scared of jack-o'-lanterns? No. Okay, well, I guess that's it. That's all we got to talk about today. You're listening to the 13 Nights of Halloween. Hi, everybody. This is Big Anklevich. And this is Rich Outfield. Creepy, huh? I've been trying to ditch those guys all day. And this is the 13 Nights of Kwanzaa. Oh, Kwanzaa. Look at that. He totally tricked you into thinking it was a Halloween thing and then pulled the rug out from under you. We've got a lot of Kwanzaa stories. Yeah. From the many, many years of Kwanzaa traditions. That's right. Um, Kwanzaa is the Harvest Festival. I love Harvest Festival. You know what Harvest Festival I really like, though? Halloween. When they have pumpkins and corn... Some being candy corn, others being Indian corn. Or maize. And maize. And corn maize maize. And maize mazes. <laughs> you butthole. Uh, maize and blue. What is that? You, you have, have no idea. idea. Just, Just admit, admit it. I'm sure it's a college football reference and <laughs> I need no nothing about it. So we're going to talk a little bit about ghosts today. Well, we've already talked about ghosts. That's right. And we promised at the end of that episode that we would talk more about ghosts later. And so... We shall. And we're back. Talking ghosts again. So we've got some listener stories that we're going to share with you today. A couple more of those. Do we want to go straight to those? Or do you have something else you want to tell us from your uncle's bevy of fun and enjoyment. The story that he didn't want his wife to hear was not really a ghost story. I mean, it it fits in the same way that Gino's was a ghost story in that it was a scary story that you can interpret in a couple of different ways. But uh, I remember, it seems like I may have told this story on the air once before, that uh, that, my uncle's house in in Las Vegas, the neighbors kept complaining about the racket, and there'd be a lot of noise at the house. And, you know, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon or some some time when no one was in the house. You know, my uncle was at work and and his kids were in school and, you know, and and his wife was at work or they gone off to get the kids and uh, got even to the point where they the neighbors called the police and said, you know, that there's all this noise over there, and then they keep calling us at the house, and then they don't say anything. And so the police came over and said, hey, the neighbors have complained, and they, you know, and and my uncle said, yeah, the neighbors have complained about this, but none of us are home when this stuff has been going on. You know, he says, I, I work until, you know, 4.30 or 5 or whatever, and my wife, you know, she, she's gone off to get the kids. The kids get out of school at 3 or 3.30 or whatever it is. There's nobody in the house. We don't own a dog. There's, there's no noise. And the police said, well, you know, they say that, that, that somebody at your house keeps calling them. And then they don't say anything. And, uh, and then, the, you know, they hang up and then the phone rings again. And the caller ID, and they showed me on the caller ID, and there's like 80 calls from your, this number. Is this your number? And Len was like, yeah, that's, that's our number. And he looked at the time and it was always, 
when yeah. he wasn't there. It was always, yeah, like 4.05 or sometime like that. Anyhow, he told the, and he says, you know, I, I can't explain it. I, I, none of us are doing this. But let me tell you a story kind of thing. And he, he said that, that the cop was cool, you know, that he could tell that the policeman believed him that he really didn't do this. Said, you know, your, your neighbors just, you know, want, the, want it quiet, they, you know. And Len says, well, you know, we all use cell phones now. So we can just disable that phone, telephone, uh, and that should take care of it. And he said, you know, after they, he did that, you know, the neighbors stopped getting it. And, and maybe it would have been a better story if the neighbors continued to get the calls. <laughs> Even when the phone was unplugged from the wall, like the vacuum was. But he told that. And, I, and you know, I was just like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then my mind's eye showed me the image of the phone with just call after call after call after call after call after call, you know, next page, call after call, all with your number. And and suddenly I was just like, you know, that's, that is a scary stuff. That is upset. Oh, my gosh. And it's your number. In a movie, you know, you, you describing it is one thing, but when you see the image and it's just that number over and over and over again, that would be very scary. Anyhow... Like I said, you know, that's not a terrifying story. And, and, and again, you can say, well, there's a short in the line. It was a cheap phone. You know, it's like a, they even said that nobody would say anything or whatever. But if you're a believer in that sort of thing, then you interpret that exact same odd occurrence in a different way. Yeah, that sounds like one of those kind of things that you would see in a movie or, or uh, you know, it's like that time just not too long ago where I went to take a leak in the bathroom and there was a post-it note over the urinal that said, Allison was here. And I posted, I took a picture of that and posted it to Facebook. And then you, of course, like you always seem to do, I don't know, it's like your mind is totally wired towards this. You're like, yeah, and then you got home and you got into bed and when you pulled the covers back, taped to your pillow was another one that said, Allison was here. No, but see, it wasn't meant to be a scary note. It was meant to be, Allison has been sleeping with your wife. But yeah, it's it's just, it's funny, you know, how you can take something and you can make it, you know, okay, this weird thing happened. Somehow, when I wasn't home, my someone at my home was calling these people and pestering them with my phone number. You see that, oh, you know, that totally seems like, you always say that kind of stuff when we tell stories. Oh, it sounds like there's a, there could probably be a good story in that. And, uh, well, when you're, you first had your son, geez, it's like 14 years ago now. Uh huh. You had gotten a baby monitor. And right. I don't know what inspired this, but you had this idea of what if you heard somebody's voice over the baby monitor? Because normally you just hear noises and you hear static and, and all that, but what if you heard somebody coming from the baby's room? And now, granted, that's my interpretation of your uh, "what if" email that you sent me. And this was when I was in LA and you were in Supernatural. What's it called? Sacramento. And um, <laughs> it's called Supernatural. Yeah, good job. You just said, you know what? What would this be like? Now, it might even have been before then when you had your son. Um, and you had this idea, but you didn't want to write a story about it because you, you were too close to it. Have, we've talked about this before, or have we never talked about it? I'm not sure if we have or not, but yeah, I was afraid to write that story because I knew how it ended, like all my stories end. 
And I didn't want to write something like that while my baby was still vulnerable, as it were. And because, now he wears a dumb hat. Yeah, if it, if it came true, you know, I mean, basically what happened at the end was what happens at the end of all my stories. And what if something like that happened for real? And then I had it written in, I don't know, just, there was something freaky about that. I couldn't write it until he was old enough that I could be like, meh, that's not happening. So I did eventually write that like four years later. And basically because I was guilted into it, I, I challenged, it was our first ever broken mirror I, uh, event. It was. And yeah, I challenged you to write a story with the same premise. And then when your story came back to me finished, I thought, well, I better start mine then. <laughs> well, sometimes you say you wish that you could go back to that not quite as fat you and say, you you really need to write these stories. You need to write and do more so that when you're my age, you're not as fat. Wait. Wait, am I misremembering the story? Well, that's—I um, mean, you're—you're you're kind of confused. You're—you're you're merging two together. Yeah, you were—you uh, gave me this idea, and you know, I my at that time, uh, my niece I think was born in two thousand, and my sister had just had this kid, and you know, so it was the only kid, little kid, the only baby in my life. Yeah, I thought about it. I thought. Uh, you know, what if she were my kid and, you know, she's completely vulnerable and dependent on me, you know, for not only for protection, but for life. You know, if I don't do my, you know, whatever it is, she will die because human babies are helpless. And, uh, you know, what if something wanted the kid or, or wanted to harm the kid? It, it became an interesting idea and it wasn't really anything that I had related to because i didn't have that i didn't have that responsibility you know what i mean uh-huh it, it's one thing to care about somebody but it's another thing to have that person depend on you right and and realize you know oh i i, I have to protect this person and all that stuff and so yeah i wrote this story kind of thing but the, the idea of a baby monitor of this thing that brings a sound from another room or, you know, things that you can't see, but you can hear. And for there to be somebody that, that that's a disturbing image. It's, it's just an see, if I had a baby, I don't think I could handle having one of those. My imagination is just <laughs> too great. And as we were saying the other day with, you know, the noise in your house with the, 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 the baby kicking the wall or whatever it is, you know, it, it, your uh, oldest daughter's boyfriend coming over and it was a totally different sound you were hearing. You can interpret, if, if your mind is set in that direction, you interpret something in a totally different, horrible way. And you know how you hear like the white noise phenomenon or, you know, whatever they call it, an electronic voice phenomenon. And that, and, and you hear things, you hear patterns in the noise. People look for patterns the same way that we see a face on Mars. We, we look for that. We recognize that. That's part of our DNA is to hear voices in noise to see faces and symbols in nothing in in burritos yeah I, I do that sometimes when i'm just at the bathroom they have like these tiles with weird patterns on them and if i glance at the right way at the right time you see a face and then when you stare at it close enough then the face goes away and then you can't make the face resolve itself back again sometimes once you've lost the pattern. 
but yeah, that's totally the kind of things that we do. So, I mean, I'm just afraid if I had a kid and you're listening, you know, because a baby makes noises in the night. Yeah. Oh, gosh, just the thought. And you know what? These things are walkie-talkies, essentially. And mm-hmm. they might pick up interference. They might pick up some breaker two one nine or that, go down to the. Oh, that totally and, happened. Cordless phones would come through. <laughs> that actually happened with one of ours, where we could totally hear somebody's phone conversation going on through our uh, baby monitor. So you gotta watch out for that. Although nobody uses a cordless phone anymore, so I guess that's not a problem. Um, and so yeah, both of us wrote these stories. Many years ago now, and uh, and I just I, I don't know. It, for me, it was kind of a stretch because it was the first time that I you know was writing as the point of view of a dad, and you know, and all that. And I've done it many, many times since because now you know there's kids all over the place. There, there was a movie called Insidious that came out a year or two ago, and in that one, there is a presence. There is something that wants to get the child of this couple. And uh, it starts out subtle because, you know, any artfully done horror film will. It'll get subtle and then it'll become more and more, you know, overt. The scares will. But the biggest scare in the whole movie was, the you know, the, the woman keeps having like these bad dreams or whatever. Something that's wrong with the kid or whatever. She hears noises in the night. And, and yeah, I think it may have been, you know, something over the baby monitor kind of thing and she wakes up and she's just disturbed and she gets out of her room and she walks down the hall and and as she walks past the baby's room there's a woman standing next to the crib leaning over the crib and oh my gosh i it was one of those where i didn't just jump i went ah, 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 you know and then you laugh but <laughs> she freaks out and she looks and there's nobody there there's nobody in the room but, oh, geez, that sort of thing is just so horrible. You know, again, you have this connection to your child, a biological connection, not just an emotional connection or whatever, but there is a biological imperative built into our DNA because babies are so helpless. Right. To watch over them, to protect them, to, you know, you know, intercede. If something wants to harm the child, we will put ourselves between it and the child. It is... It's kind of a, a neat thing about parenthood. I, I think it happens a lot of times in nature, too. It's just a an instinct and all that. And, yeah, that something that you can, not just a person, but something wants your child is uh, I, that's that's something that all parents have to. Well, I mean, maybe not. Maybe again, it's just like, yeah, I never thought about something wanting to kill my kid. Well, yeah, but look, you haven't even wiped your kid's nose this month. Sorry, who was I talking about? <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, it doesn't matter. We were talking ghosts to begin with, and I guess the ghost in the baby monitor story came to mind. And see, I thought Insidious was interesting because it, it wanted the kid, it, we find out through flashbacks, that something had come after the dad when the dad was a child. And, and it's similar to what we were saying about my uncle and, and my aunt. The, the, the dad was special. He had some kind of connection. He, he could work as a portal, as a doorway to the other world so that they could come in or so that they could do stuff. And it turns out the son has this exact same connection kind of thing. I, I thought it was a pretty solid movie. But again, one man's 
really scary movie is another man's, you know, Night Blair of the Witch Lepus. Project. Oh, okay, there you go. One man's Blair Witch Project is, is an, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Blair Witch Project just isn't scary. Okay. <laughs> but we've had a couple of listeners want to share their experiences with us, and, and I, I think it's time for us to share another one. Yeah, now that we're talking about somebody being a porthole to the scary ghosts, we're going to go ahead and read Marshall's story, which I think sort of goes along with that. Marshall gives us a lot of background to make the story work, I guess, and, I, and I'm going to have to read it all. Well, well that's fine, though. We'll go ahead and read it. So Marshall Latham says... <clears throat> See, it's rude that he would do that. Why, why clear your throat like that? Marshall, just tell Worse us the story. Yet, why type out the clearing of the throat? As a religious person, I do believe in spirits, that we are in fact spiritual beings, and that when we, we die, our spirits leave our bodies and go to a spiritual world or existence that is beyond our normal physical perception, however, is part of our world somehow. I don't think of them in the same way that I think of a ghost, as we typically talk about them in spooky tales and such. I don't really want to go into major details here and be accused of giving a sermon, but suffice it to say that I also believe that there are spirits who don't want good for us, evil spirits for lack of a better term. The chief one being Lucifer. Again, I don't perceive these spirits in the same way as they are commonly depicted in spooky tales or horror stories. Now I've told you all that to lay the foundation for this story. If you spend any time around a bunch of Mormons, which I am one, you will tend to notice a good number of their stories start out with the words, When I was on my mission... This is one of those stories. When I was on my mission, serving in Southern California, I had a companion that stuttered. It was hard for him many times to express himself, which can be difficult when the bulk of what you do on a mission is talk to people about your religion. But he did pretty well most of the time. Now, wait, wait a second. Companion is like a partner, right? Uh-huh. But he did pretty well most of the time and was very friendly. Sometimes missionaries get into private discussions about deep gospel topics and start to speculate about some of the mysteries. One time my companion, I'll call him Elder Jones, and I got on the topic of evil spirits and how much influence or power they could really have over us. He told me that ever since he was a little boy... He would often wake up and know that evil spirits were in the room with him and that he would be paralyzed, not being able to move or speak. Eventually they would go away and he would be able to control himself again. I didn't know quite what to say. I have never experienced anything like that and I wondered if that is what led to his stuttering. Days and weeks went by, then one night I was awakened by a strange noise. I didn't know what it was. Everything was very quiet, and the room seemed darker than it usually was, and heavier somehow. 
I had a strange feeling that something was profoundly different. I laid there for several minutes, letting my heart calm down, and then, just as I was about to fall back to sleep, I heard a strained, barely audible croak from my companion's bed. was the only word he uttered. My last name. It must have been my companion. That's how we refer to one another by last names, but I didn't really recognize his voice. It was so weak and almost desperate. I didn't know what to do. Was he calling for me to help? Were there evil spirits in the room? Was I supposed to cast them out somehow? like Christ and the apostles did? I considered how I might go about doing that. I thought about calling my companion's name, being loud, saying a prayer, turning on the light, something. But ultimately, I just laid there, not making a sound, straining my eardrums for more evidence of concern. No more sounds, no more voices. Eventually, I fell back to sleep. I didn't bring it up the next morning, neither did Elder Jones. I think I did ask him about that night sometime later, and that he said that it was him calling for help, and that there were evil spirits in the room at night. I never had that happen again, or ever experienced anything like what Elder Jones described. But every once in a while, I will wake up in the middle of the night... And just for a second, maybe two, I feel the presence of someone. Something hovering just above me. Then, it's gone. Good spirit. Bad spirit. Leftover dream figment. Who knows? It's an interesting story. You know, the best part about having these stories is, is that our listeners know how to write a good story. (laughs) Yeah, that's well phrased. I I liked the, it it seemed to have a setup and then a payoff, a beginning, a middle and end. Yeah, that's interesting. If we were doing the radio call in, you'd probably get a lot more rambling. Oh, gosh, I, I forgot to tell you, we had just moved into the house and... None of us were capable of getting boners. And and you're just like, oh, well, that was important to the story. Are you sure? I... <laughs> That's scary, actually. I mean, the, uh, you know, I guess it would be the equivalent of, you know, I go to my uncle's house and, you know, I'm sleeping on his couch. Now, I've never spent the night at that house uh, where my uncle, the believer uncle, or lives. But going there and knowing that he has some kind of connection to, let's just say ghosts, that that's really scary. And of course, it's vague enough that you can interpret it any number of ways. But when you said, when, when Marshall said, that was upsetting because immediately it's something is calling him by name, something in the room, you know. That was the payoff for the setup of sometimes evil spirits will come to me. But for it to be revealed that it was the companion, 
saying his name needing, needing help, well, okay, that changes the story altogether. Because I'm sure you've had a dream where you're buried alive or your uh, dream where you're hurt or... I mean, I, I used to have dreams where I was in like a, a, a well or, or a pit or something like that and there was no way I could get out. And part of this, the oppressiveness of the dream is you know that if you could just call for help, that would make it okay. And, and you try... And you... you, you, you and you try to cry out or whatever. And now if somebody was in the room with you, they could hear you maybe just making like the slightest bit of noise. But it, like so many times while you're dreaming, you think you're shouting, but no noise is coming out. And yeah, I remember there being times where, you know, I, I have roommates or whatever. And I know that I cried out and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he says, what? I said, I, oh, I didn't. I didn't make a lot of noise. I didn't scream just then. <laughs> and so there's that, too. You know, it's just like he was trying to call for Marshall, for help, and all that came out was this this noise, which sounds like it scared the crap out of, of Marshall. He yeah. didn't he didn't talk about how scared he was. No, yeah, he didn't mention um, that. But that's one of those things for me, where it's just like I don't think I could go back to sleep after that <laughs> because of my mind. It would be bouncing around like Arkanoid. In my brain just go, oh, geez, there's something in the room. Or what if it, you know, what if, what if a hand touches me right now, you know, or what, whatever, all these things are possibilities. Or what if I turn on the light and my roommate's bed is empty or there's somebody else sitting up in the bed, just staring, waiting. Oh my gosh. You know, just these awful images because that's the way my mind works. It, it goes from zero to 60 in, well, you know, it's like 10 or 12 seconds, but that's not bad for a car. Or a brain. Not bad for a brain. It, it's not amazing for a car. Really. Oh, okay. Well, still, you know, I'm used to these these old clunkers, you know, that right, somebody just right. sold off really cheap. So, you know, I used to have dreams that were like that, where I was I was asleep and something was happening, and I was struggling to make it happen for real, and then it did happen for real. Unfortunately, that dream was that I really needed to pee. And then I peed in my dream, and I also peed in reality and peed my bed. Yeah, your wife was complaining about that last week. <laughs> that was a bad dream. That <laughs> <laughs> is bad. But I think, you know, we've all had that. I, I but at least said. it wasn't like the time that I shit the bed. No! No! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shat. Oh, oh you're right. <laughs> See, I feel kind of bad because these people have shared these stories and and you know here's the thing these are all intimate stories things that really happen to you even if you know they're not religious stories like marshall's i mean he takes some guts i think to say hey i'm a religious person i believe in this and and all that and because you're you're open to mockery and so I, I i appreciate you guys sharing the stories i'm not trying to mock any story here yeah thank you marshall for sharing that and, and yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I'm glad that I haven't had that experience. So something saying my name in a dark room. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it would be worse if you knew you were alone and something said your name in a dark room. Yeah. But hearing it and not knowing who it's coming from, that's that's kind of upsetting, too. Yeah, this is a not really scary story, personally, but I'm going to tell it anyways. One time when I was in college and I had this roommate, I also had a Scooby-Doo t-shirt that glowed in the dark. 
Basically, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy were there, and then there was a bunch of eyes eyes all over it. I remember that shirt. And Mm. they glowed in the dark. And so one day, I was coming home. My roommate was already asleep in his bed. And I walk in the door to our room, and he wakes up, and he looks at me, and he goes, What the hell? Because all he could see were these glowing eyes on my shirt. <laughs> and finally he realized what was going on. I'm like, hey, what, what, what's up? What's going on? He's like, oh, oh, shoot. And then he went back to bed or something, but it's pretty funny. Um, okay, we've got two more stories that I'm going to share, so uh, I probably better get to it. Um, the next one comes from Adam Gifford. All these stories are so detailed and awesome. I'm, I'm proud of our listeners for doing such a thing. I love it. Okay. Adam says, <clears throat> oh, Adam did it too. Why? He cleared his throat. You guys, so okay, listen, next time when you guys share these stories, don't do the, the throat clearing at the beginning. It's going to be just understood that there's throat clearing. <laughs> Adam said, <laughs> okay, well, that's allowed. Not the other thing. In my late teen years and early 20s, I worked for a well-known pizza chain restaurant. During the four years I worked there, I had several experiences that might be explainable, but there were three that aren't. The first occurred early one Sunday afternoon when our business was slow, and we received an order for two medium pizzas. Since there were two of us in the kitchen... And all the day's prep work done, we each made one of the pies. In the oven, they went side by side, but only one of the pizzas came out. No, it wasn't stuck on the conveyor, and no one was playing a trick on me. As I looked around the shop looking for the missing pizza, I never found it. The second experience occurred in the middle of dinner rush. My job that night was to cut the pizzas as they came out of the oven. The table I worked on was just a few steps from the service station. At the time this happened, smoking was still permitted in American restaurants, and this chain used glass ashtrays as well as glass shakers for the grated cheese and red pepper flakes. These glass items were all stored on one shelf in the service area below the counter. Then, with no one around, the shelf shot across the service area, sending all the glassware to the tile floor, shattering most of what was there. The third occurred early one Sunday morning. Sundays were the day that our supply truck would arrive, and we were first on the schedule. 6 a.m. was the normal delivery time. It used to be that there were two people scheduled to unload the truck, but at some point it was decided that only one person was needed. This day, I was the one person. No one else was scheduled until 8 a.m. By 7, I had finished putting the truck away and was working on some prep work. Now, this restaurant is set up with the kitchen separated from the dining room by a door-sized opening, and the prep table was just beyond this opening. As I was standing there, preparing a batch of dough, I saw a shadow pass by the opening. 
Knowing that my friend was coming in at 8, I thought this was just him coming in an hour early. I began talking, asking him why he was early, but I didn't get a response. I walked up to the front only to find no one there. Years later, while on vacation with some friends, I retold this story. One of the people I was with took quite an interest in the story. He grew up down the street and told me that when he was a kid, there was an old farmhouse on that site that all the kids said was haunted. He wasn't sure if it was or not, as he never saw anything, but he was told that a woman had died on the property. I never did any research on the property, so I can't say for certain that anyone died there, but I can be certain of what I saw. And he says, I've also seen glowing red eyes in the basement of a friend's house. I've been witness to a freaky Ouija board. And when I lived outside Atlanta, I could swear that I heard distant cannon fire and rifle volleys. That's just because Atlanta's a violent city, I think. It's... <laughs> also, when I visited Bachelors Grove Cemetery outside of Chicago... I may have caught a shadow person on film. Adam may be one of these people as well who has some kind of connection to Yeah, he's, he seems like a believer, more of a believer than someone who has three experiences. In the same place. Yeah. But see, and that one was set up like a story as well, like a narrative as well. With, you know, here, here are the stories and here is the punchline. Right. That there used to be a haunted farmhouse on that property. That's good stuff, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I get the impression that a lot of the people that listen to our show are writers as well. And <laughs> you'd have to because we're always talking about writing, right? Right. Well, Adam Gifford, we've run one of his stories on our show. So no, no, I'm, I'm just saying, why would you listen to the show where we talk constantly about writing uh, if you didn't have any interest in that. Maybe you're trapped under something heavy and you only get the Dune Steve. That's probably but, it. It's probably anyone who isn't a writer, is, that's their situation. You know, I wrote a story set in a pizza place about a ghost. Yes, you did. <laughs> so it's funny to hear all his stories. Uh, in this case, the ghost is much more benign. But yeah, it's it's interesting. The pizza goes into the oven and doesn't come out thing. Uh, that's something I've never seen in a movie. You know what I mean? It's just like that. That's subtle. And I, 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 that's just really neat. You know, it's like it didn't fall down through the cracks. It's not still in there. You know, where is the pizza? That I don't know. That kind of stuff is cool. Somebody boosted it when he had his back turned customer hopped the counter and stole it there's one of those <laughs> um security devices at the doors of of the place where i work you know that beep if somebody's you know, uh-huh when somebody through. comes through well but no if somebody is yeah uh, stealing something or you know somebody's walking out with a oh, oh right one of those security tags not um no. Deactivated. Not just like the bell thing when somebody comes in or out. You're talking like a thing, alarm that goes off if somebody tries to steal something. And it will go off a lot. Uh, not every single day. But there will be days that it goes off again. 
and then 20 minutes later it goes off again and then and i have made jokes about you know as well it there was that girl that died here, and you know she was on, on her way out, and she never actually left the uh, the building. You know, it's like, and they say, and and there have been a couple people. They're just like, "Hey, that's not funny, man. I know you think you're being funny. That's not funny." You should tell the story of the girl who was stealing something, ran out the back, ran out the door, and was hit by a car in the road and died. And she keeps stealing things in death. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that ain't funny, man. Comic genius. I don't know. Hey, uh, that that that's that's really neat that people are sharing these stories. Again, the coincidence to somebody who doesn't believe in it, but definitely s- signifying something to somebody who's looking for significance. The the logical explanation is well, you know, you're a, a dumb kid. You didn't actually put a pizza through. You know, or or whatever it is, you know, it's weed. <laughs> you know, so my dad's still, you know, blaming it on the hippies. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some sometimes things are funny like that. Yeah. The world doesn't always work like you expect it to, and I'm sure something like this has happened to you. But you have something in your hand, for example, and then you drop it. It hits the ground. It bounces, and you feel it maybe like ricochet off your foot or something like that when it bounces. And then you look down to find this thing that you've dropped, and it's freaking gone. It's just completely disappeared. And then eventually you do find it, and it's... Bounced. In the same place where you went the first time. <laughs> Sometimes that's the case. Other times it's bounced just an extremely far, you know, something that just doesn't seem physically possible for this thing to have bounced that far. Or it's just... It's just right in the spot that just makes it impossible to see or just weird things like that you know it turns out that there it's not like it fell into a pit and vanished you know it's like the whole thing with the socks people talk about socks and they're drier and they go missing the dryer eats the socks or the socks are sucked into some vortex and go to (laughs) sock land or some something <laughs> weird a like sock that paradise and a sock purgatory. Oh yes, that they they go to and it's people have invented all sorts of stories. But I think what really happens is the sock never got in there in the first place, you know. And you can just if you really were able to see all the things that are going on, you would be able to explain what happened with the pizza. Or so what you, the shadow was. Probably, maybe, maybe you couldn't. You are so urbane, man. <laughs> there are ghosts wearing those socks like the red hot chili peppers right now on yeah. their dongs. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, you know, I'm it's... sorry, we should go to the next call. Okay, folks. okay, we'll go to the next call. We do have one more story. Angela in Portland, you're on. <laughs> We have one more story that was sent to us by a listener. This one is from, oh, it's from Renee Chambliss. Nice. See, another writer. Yeah. And, oh, oh, this is interesting. This one is actually a sound file. Oh, see, uh, Renee is a uh, an audiobook narrator. She's a professional. That's right. Audiobook narrator. Uh, uh, Way more professional than us. Yes, that, but that is not difficult. Uh, save clown pod it's all gonna be more <laughs> professional than us oh all these years 
Uh, so yeah, let's let's go ahead and, and we'll play the sound file and we'll listen to what uh, story Renee's got for us, which will be awesome because Renee's got such a beautiful voice. It'll be fun to listen to this. Okay, can you hit play. Shoot! Oh crap! Oh man! She uh, she got us there. That's not cool. That's that's lower than low, guys. That's that's bad. That's that should be banned in small towns where people want to live, where the you know like the crime is low, the air smells nice. It probably is in most places. <clears throat> Well, ah, okay. So yeah, that sort of derailed everything, didn't it? I guess that's the last of our stories. <sighs> Thank you, Renee. <laughs> uh, I guess we will have to come back tomorrow because it's going to take a little while to, for the palate to be cleansed after that. Yeah, we we had worked hard to create an atmosphere. You know what I mean? So it's like the medium says, everybody join hands and you know clear your mind of any distractions, of any, you know, things at work that are bothering you, you know, any unpaid bills, any sexual feelings you may have for members of your same sex. And focus so that we can get a good reading here. And then that happened. Uh, I, I guess we'll just come back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to do that. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Big Anklevich. And I'm never going to give you up. Whoa! Was that a Freudian slip or what? Ugh. I'll give you a Freudian slip. Yeesh. <laughs> Good night. Yeah. <laughs> that Gets My Goat is produced under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Which between you and me means nothing. Oh, right, yeah, Scary Movies was the, the last one, huh? So, yeah, we're at 10, 11. And we need two more. This one and a Super Shorty. you got to think of a Super Shorty. Mm-hmm. A good one. Not a crappy one like usual. Gosh. Hey, it's supposed to be crappy. <laughs> the whole point. If we start talking endlessly about it, then it becomes pumpkin spice and not crappy. <laughs> Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and hurt you.